Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Ovicast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you the latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. Now, in this week's episode, we discuss late pregnancy nutrition with Dr. Tim Keady. We start off with Tim explaining the increase in fetal growth that occurs in the final weeks of gestation and the impact that this has on both the ewe's energy demand and her intake potential. We discuss concentrated price and why it's essential to examine ration composition when purchasing. And Tim expands on this point, given his pick of energy, fibre and protein sources that he would include in the ration. We move on to discuss the impact of protein source and performance. And Tim discusses the results of a trial comparing soybean meal to the alternative protein sources. We finish up discussing targeted feed rates and what influences this. We start off, however, with Tim discussing the impact on nutrition in the weeks before lambing has on subsequent performance. It's a very important time on sheep farms because on most sheep farms now it's kind of the tranquility uh, is prevailing before the storm. And by tranquility, I mean that in many farms, sheep are housed uh, during late pregnancy. Uh, pregnancy is developing. Uh, Clostrum should be the, uh, being, pr- being pr- pr- prepared for production within the other. Uh, there's not a lot of labour on farms except preparing for the lambing. But once lambing starts, you, you're pr- going into the storm. What you do this time, what you do during these next few weeks in terms of nutrition-wise will have a major impact on uh, on um, lamb birth weight. Uh, it will also affect um, as whether the pregnancy is successful or not. It will affect quality of colostrum and quantity. It will affect ease of lambing, lamb survival, lamb weight at birth, and formation of the ewe-lamb bond. If you get nutrition right, it, all of these things will be improved, which will have a consequent reduction in labour. If you get them wrong, you could run into issues such as low lamb birth weight, issues such as higher lamb mortality, but more importantly, a lot of labour required trying to get milk or colostrum into lambs from because their dams or their mothers don't have enough colostrum. Uh, at, at the moment, uh, what happens in late pregnancy is that the weight of the fetus has increased dramatically. So, for example, during the last six weeks of pregnancy, the weight of the fetus has increased by about 70%. During the last four weeks, it increases by about 50%. And during the last uh, two weeks, it increases by about 20%. So at, at the point at the point of lambing, um, the lambs account for approximately 60% of the weight of the uterine contents. So consequently, if a yo is producing twin lambs, each weighing, for example, five kilos, that yo will lose approximately 70 kilos, 17 kilos live weight at the point of lemon. Yeah, well, often we don't factor in there as the fluids as well. That yo is under a lot of pressure in terms of physically what she's carrying. That's correct, yes. Tim, just to put a little bit of this in context, and some of what we've covered before, but that fetus increase, the fact that she's producing colostrum, the fact that the herself is probably under a little bit more pressure too. From an energy balance point of view, how much of a change are we looking at? Relative, we'll say, look at the yields before scanning. How much of an increase are we looking at in her demand for energy? Okay, in late pregnancy, Kieran, uh, due to the rapidly growing fetuses and other development, the metabolizable energy requirements of yours carrying singles, twins, and triplets increased by 40%, 60%, and 70% respectively during the final six weeks of pregnancy. So if we take an example, the ME requirement of a twin-bearing ewe weighing approximately 75 kilos will increase from 12 up to 19 megajoules per day. And if you, t- you must, if you take this into context, that a kilogram of barley at 14% moisture contains 11.4 megajoules of ME. So that means that during the final six weeks of pregnancy, there's an increase in the ME requirement of twin-bearing ewes by about 16% or 7 megajoules of ME requirement per head per day. 
Okay, so sales will increase, and that look corresponds with what we've always said about increasing ration content in late pregnancy. And we'll come to some of that in a moment. Just in terms of intake, Tim, at what point does it start to become limited in dojos, as in forage intake? Well, see, the, the intake of forage um, it, and how it's and it's and how it progresses during late pregnancy actually depends on the feed value of the forage. We've studies which have shown that during late pregnancy, that if you're feeding medium feed value silage, that even when you're increasing concentrate feed level, you have little impact on constant, on silage intake because it has a low substitution effect. In other words, that the silage alone wouldn't have met the energy requirements. However, if you have high feed value grass silage, such as 75% plus DMD, as you increase concentrate, you have a bigger negative effect on silage intake because of its concentrate sparing effect. And some of our studies have shown that with high feed value silage, for each one kilogram of concentrate you feed, you'll displace 0.75 kilos of uh, grass silage dry matter within the diet. So basically, with high feed value silages, feeding too much concentrate is just displacing silage in the diet. So just in terms of total intake then, yeah, if you're talking about total dry matter intake, uh, you're including both the silage and the concentrate. With high feed value grass silage, as you increase concentrate, uh, total dry matter intake will not decline, whereas silage intake will decline because this concentrate is replacing silage in the diet. If you're talking about medium feed value grass silage, as you increase concentrate feed level at in, in late Toward, coming towards lambing, you actually increase total dry matter intake because the intake of the silage on its own was not very high to start off with and you're getting a lower concentrate substitution effect. So supposing we, we can't lose sight of the fact that what we're trying to aim towards is our target birth rates. Have, it's going to look, we know it's going to have a positive impact on subsequent lamb growth rate. We've covered that previously with you. It's going to have a big impact on lamb survival. And getting yes. that right in this next couple of weeks, like... You've touched that open and importance of that, but that really is setting you up for the year. Yes, um, our studies at Atom Rye would have shown that optimum birth weight for lambs uh, born as singles is approximately six kilos. For lambs born at five pounds, uh, as twins is approximately five and a half kilos. And for lambs born as triplets is approximately 4.5 kilos. And when I'm talking about optimum, I'm talking about where the, the weight at which the lowest level of lamb mortality accord or the highest level of lamb survivability accord, whichever way you want to look at it. We've previous studies shown that lamb birth weight has a big effect also on lamb performance and our data would show that each one kilo increase in lamb birth weight will increase the weight, the weight, of we, the weight at weaning by approximately 3.2 kilos and thus having a big effect and a big effect by reducing the age of slaughter by two to three weeks. You've covered the increase in energy content. We've we've just touched there on why you were trying to achieve it. Let's talk a little bit about rations and the importance of a quality ration. I suppose maybe just to say how to start first, like ration cost of rations this year has gone up significantly relative to maybe two years ago. Let's put that a little bit in context. It's a significant investment. If you scale that back a lot, though, there is a negative consequence. So it, it's probably the one time a year where you have to invest in it. The silage quality is already there. Hopefully you know what it is. Talk to me a little bit about ration price and justifying that cost. Kieran, you're quite correct. Concentrate price has increased. Uh, if we look at two in the last two years, the price of concentrate has increased by 150 to 170 euros per tonne, which is a quite substantial increase. And you're also quite correct that it's not a time to start cutting back on the price of ingredients, trying to reduce your costs. It's the one time of the year I would still feed the 
a level of concentrate to meet the requirements of the yoast because you're talking about having an impact on lamb birth weight. You're talking about having an impact on lamb survivability. You're talking about having an impact on colostrum quality and quantity. And if you get these factors right, these factors are the key factors that affect the amount of labor that's required her yo when she's lambing in the lambing shed. And the last thing you want to do at this time of the year, which is the busiest time of the year on any sheep farm, is to increase the amount of labour required. You want to reduce it. Uh, when we talk about the price of concentrate, we can talk about monetary value, which 170 to 180 euros per tonne increase in the last two years. But I think we, when you're buying a concentrate, you don't look at just the monetary value per se. You look at the ingredients because at the end of the day, if you put in good ingredients, you can, you will have a positive effect on lamp and animal and you and lamb performance. Whereas you can also buy, uh, you can also reduce concentrate price by maybe twenty to thirty euros per ton. And when you work it out per u basis, you're only talking about maybe twenty or maybe thirty or forty cents per u in your flock, and it's, it's minimal when you talk about per u basis rather than per ton basis. I think that's a very important point. That headline figure of the price per ton, it's not telling you the full story. No, no, the price per ton is not telling you the full story. And for example, if you look at some rations, some rations will quote an energy content, a protein content, a fiber content and an oil content. And if you want to be sarcastic about it, you could formulate something to meet them values by using uh, oil, by using uh, sawdust for the fiber content, uh, urea for the protein content and ash and, and, and soil for the ash content. So you will meet you will meet what is stated on the label. But at the end of the day, it's not what's stated on the label. Uh, 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 the, the approximate analysis that counts, what counts is the composition or the ingredient composition. And when we're formulating rations, we have a, a number of, we want to use good energy sources. We want to use good protein sources. And we also want to use good fiber sources. This year, because of the uh, what's what's cost effective at the moment, we'll say from a fiber source is uh, soya hulls or well, sugar beet pulp, and both of them are good fiber sources. From, a, from an energy point of view, your optimum will be maize, followed by barley, and possibly a small bit of wheat. And when you're talking about using good protein sources, the ideal protein source is soybean followed by uh, rapeseed. And also you can use some distillers. And if you're using distillers for sheep, it's important to use maize distillers and not wheat distillers because of the possibility of um, uh, copper toxicity, depending on the level of inclusion within the dice. Tim, just to come back in with you there. So your protein, like, we didn't talk about the protein yet. That's another vital element of the story especially in terms of colostrum quality, but also in terms of the effect that that can have on Lambert. Right? Put that a little bit in context for me and you might just explain then what our target should be in a ration and what our sources should be. Okay. Uh, when we're formulating rations at the moment, Kieran, for sheep farms, uh, for yews in late pregnancy, we're targeting a 19% crude protein ration simply because a lot of the grass silages or hays that are being fed on sheep farms to yews during late pregnancy have a low uh, crude protein concentration. And you know that the two factors that affect the crude protein concentration of any forage is how leafy it is when it's uh, been in silage. So a lot of silage will, will have DMD less than 70. So that means there's a certain amount of stem in them. And the second key factor that affects the level of protein within the grass silage or grass hay is the amount of nitrogen fertilizer that has been applied. And we all know that the amount of nitrogen fertilizer being applied is lower on sheep farms relative to other enterprises such as dairying. And particularly with the year that's just gone by, I would say the levels of nitrogen has been reduced further. So just to be sure that there's enough of nitrogen going into the yo in late pregnancy, when 
when it's required, both for colostrum production and increase in lamb birth weight, we would recommend to formulate a diet uh, concentrate with 19% crude protein. Uh, when we're formulating the ration, um, for, from a protein point of view, we've undertaken the studies at Athen Rye where we looked at formulating rations that differed in the source of protein. So I'll give you an example. Uh, we undertook a study a number of years ago where we looked at rations that formulated where protein came predominantly from soybean and uh, we compared them to rations where the protein came predominantly from rapeseed maize distillers and maize gluten. These rations were formulated of the same crude protein and the same metabolizable energy. So from an approximate analysis point of view, they were the same. When we fed them to the ewes, we found that the um, concentrate that was formulated using the soybean as a protein source produced lambs that were 0.3 kilos heavier at birth. These lambs were 0.9 of a kilo heavier at uh, weaning. And we found that um, the additional level in animal performance that if you were to... um, feed extra concentrates um, as creep feed, that this was equivalent to offering each lambs, each lamb six kilos of creep concentrate from the point of birth to the point of weaning, which would be a cost, an additional cost of six euros per ewe that would be rearing a set of twins. The heavier weight of weaning of about 0.9 of a kilo resulted in these lambs being slaughtered approximately one week earlier. That difference you've seen, look, as I say, it's a, difference. it's a positive one in the right direction. What is the difference in those protein sources? Why did you get that impact from the soya? Okay, ju- just before I answer your question, Kieran, we also noted that we had two levels of concentrate feeding in that study and that yews that were offered 16 kilos of the soya-based ration produced lambs with the same weight at birth as weaning and weaning as yews that had been offered 28 kilos of the concentrate that was formulated using rapeseed, maize distillers and maize gluten. So to answer your question, uh, why, why are we getting the response? And the response is that the soybean grace concentrate had a higher quantity of digestible, undegradable protein concentration, which is the proportion of the dietary protein that escapes fermentation in the rumen and is subsequently absorbed in the small intestine. The idea, I preferably as much protein that can bypass the rumen and is, di- is absorbed within the small intestine, you get better utilization from it. If you take an example of sheep that are on a silage-based diet, silage is a ferment product, and a lot of the protein, I'd say about 70 to 80% of it, it when it when it's uh, in a silage, is available in a rapidly uh, absorbable, rapidly digestible fractions. So they call it rapidly soluble fractions, called the A fraction. That means that about 70 to 80% of the protein in the silage is digested in the rumen. And if the bugs aren't able to capture it within the rumen, it passes through the animal in urine and it passes out through the urine and is of little benefit. However, protein that can bypass the rumen and is absorbed and digested within the small intestine results in a better utilization of the protein. And that's what we believe is the reason that the soybean-based ration, because of its increase in digestible undegradable protein, or DUP, resulted in the heavier lamb birth weight. And this was due to a combination of weight at birth and probably due to a higher milk supply post-lambing up to the point of weaning. Just in terms of ration formulation, Tim, and look, you mentioned the rapeseed as a good source with distillers as a possible source for two. Does the soy have to be the sole source of that protein? I know we're getting some from the cereals as well, but would you go for the sole source or how, how? what level does it need to be at in a ration? 
No, it doesn't have to be at the sole source, uh, Kieran. And if we were to make rations this year with soybean as a sole source, they would be pretty expensive because off the top of my head, I think soybean is up around 650 euros per tonne. Can I answer your question by giving you an example of the concentrate that we formulated for feeding at Athen Rye this year? And in that in that in that ration, uh, seventeen the, the uh, one one hundred seventeen and a half percent of the ration is soya bean, twenty eight percent is maize, eighteen percent is soya hulls, ten percent is uh, barley, ten percent is coming from rapeseed because that is also a relatively good protein source, six and a half percent is maize distillers, four and a half percent is sugar beet pulp, and then the rest is made up of molasses and minerals and vitamins. Okay, just I'll throw another one to you. If you're not able to get access to a quality ration, some will go with the option of topping up. Preference, Tim, of topping up with soya in late pregnancy versus maybe going looking for a ration day one. And if that if a ration that includes it isn't available, is topping up an option? And if so, by how much? You mean by topping up with soya bean? Yes. Everything is an option. But for me, Kieran, the, on day one, you buy a ration that you know that has got a good level of soy bean. You start feeding it from whatever six or seven weeks out from lambing. I wouldn't be buying a lower a low protein concentrate for feeding during the first two or three weeks, even though you're stepping it up. And I'll say, and the reason I say that is, most silages, as I said earlier on, is low in protein. Most silages are average at best uh, feed value in terms of DMD and ME concentration. Also, because when you start feeding at six to seven weeks prior to lambing, uh, you're feeding low levels, maybe two or 300 grams per day. The cost benefit for most flocks in Ireland, which have about 100 Jews on average, of buying a low protein concentrate versus a high protein concentrate would only give you a saving of about 30 euros per tonne, which is equivalent to only about 45 cents per U. It's not worthwhile. Feeding more protein during that period of time that's between six and three, three weeks prior to lambing can can and does have a positive effect on total food intake and can and does have a positive effect actually on silage intake because the first increment of protein increases silage intake. My preference, and I've no doubt about this, but my preference when, you, when you're feeding a ration to cons- to yours in late pregnancy is to have the soybean included normally. And the reason why it's well mixed within the ration and that the user eating it in every, uh, every, every mouthful that they consume. However, if people are going to spread uh, 100 grams of concentrate, 100 grams of soybean. It's an extra chore to do. If you're feeding it in troughs and feeding the pellets, often the soybean drops down to the bottom and some yolks don't eat it and some do. Whereas if it's included in the pellet, you can be sure that in every mouthful the soybean is concluded. If you have a good ration from day one, there's no need for uh, using a top-up of soybean, particularly at the price it is now. It should be included in the ration and that's it. So for just an upside that Keep it simple, spend the time getting a good ration day one, put the right ingredients in it and feed that from day one right the way through. I totally agree with you. And also if you're talking about soybean, and I'm not too sure, I haven't seen the prices for the last two weeks, but uh, if you're buying bags of soybean, you're probably paying an extra 50 euros per tonne relative to buying it in bulk. No. And that price, that extra price this year stands for all of ration. It seems to be that uh, the price coming from Miller's, whether you buy it in bulk or buy it in 25 kilo bags, seem to be varying from about 35 up to 50 euros per ton, depending on your source of, of uh, depending on the Miller that you're buying your ration from. Another important thing to consider. Maybe one final thing to finish up on. Like we've gone through the demands, we've gone through the energy, we've gone through the protein story. What we need to talk about there at the very tail end of this is how much. 
So obviously there's going to be a number of factors having an influence on that side. Quality probably been the biggest one, but relatively speaking to him, total level of concentrate, upper feed level of concentrate as well. Where is that at? Well, Kieran, the two factors that affect the amount of concentrate requirement for yews in late pregnancy is uh, where they're being offered a silage-based diet is choplint and silage uh, DMD. Uh, these are the two factors that affect intake characteristics. So if we take an example where you've got super silage 78, 79 DMD for twin-bearing ewes, I would supplement them with a total of about 8 to 10 kilos of concentrate during late pregnancy. If it's 72% DMD, a twin bearing use needs 17 to 18 kilos of concentrate. And if it's poor quality silage, 64 DMD, they need about 25 kilos of concentrate. That's precision chopped. If you take big bale silage, uh, high DMD silage needs about 12 kilos of D- 12 kilos of concentrate. A 72 DMD big bale silage needs about 25 kilos of concentrate per year in late pregnancy. And a 64 DMD silage needs approximately t- uh, 35 kilos of concentrate. In other words, choplint will increase the amount of concentrate required with poor DMD silages by about 10 kilos per year during late pregnancy. The figures I'm after quoting are for twin bearing ewes. If you have a single bearing ewe, you can drop these figures by about 78 kilos of concentrate per year. And if you've got triplet bearing ewes, I'd increase these figures by about 78 kilos of concentrate per ewe for the extra lamb. It's important when you're talking about feeding ewes in late pregnancy that you feed them to meet to, to meet requirements. Because as I mentioned at the beginning of, this, of the podcast, that the, the increase in lamb birth weight increases dramatically towards late pregnancy. And if you increase the level of concentrate uh, each week coming towards pregnancy, you're feeding the ewe to meet her requirements. So for example, if I may say so, if your objective was to feed 20 kilos of concentrate per year during the last six weeks of pregnancy, an example of a feed schedule would be six weeks out from lemon, I give her 0.3 of a kilo. Five weeks out from lemon, I'd also give her 0.3 of a kilo. Four weeks out from lemon, I give her 0.4 of a kilo per year per day. Three weeks out from lemon, 0.5 of a kilo per year per day. Two weeks out from lemon, 0.6 of a kilo per year per day. And the week prior to uh, lemon and lemon, I give her 0.8 of a kilo per year per day. If your objective is to get 20 kilos of concentrate into your pre-lemon. Tim, look, it's been good having you on. It's an important topic. It's certainly something we need to focus on for the coming weeks. Thanks, Kieran. We'll leave it there for this week's episode. As Tim's highlighted, nutrition in the coming weeks has a massive impact on subsequent performance. So it's important we pay attention to the ration we're feeding and we feed it at appropriate rates. That's it for me for this episode. Again, for updates on my sheep program, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Jogger Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in to future episodes.